Amen. So we're going to look in the word today and figure it out. Celebrate his resurrection. We're going to read from John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. Why don't you stand to your feet one more time in honor of the word? Amen. Say amen if you're ready. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples were glad, when they saw the Lord, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands, the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, place my hand into his side. I will never believe eight days later. His disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands and put out and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And then John wraps up his book like this in verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So Father, we ask you to bless your word to us. Today of all days, Lord, as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, make your word come alive to us. Let it intersect exactly where we are today in our lives and change us change the way we think change what we struggle with lord change the direction we're headed in give us peace this morning give us power this morning in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen you may be seated if you combine all the gospel accounts, it, it looks like Jesus revealed himself about five times on the day of resurrection. So on that morning, he begins to start revealing himself to different people throughout that day. Now, he didn't stop on that day, but that's the first day. That's the day he resurrects. John records two of those five revelations. He records him revealing himself to Mary Magdalene. At the tomb, and he records himself walking in on the disciples that evening. They were together in a room with the exception of Thomas. And to be honest with you, they were hiding. They were hiding out. The resurrection of Christ for them was an event that was only a couple hours old. It was, it was not even a day old. Matter of fact, 
A few days before that, they had watched him brutally murdered. And now imagine, imagine having the shock of the revelation that he's not in the tomb and you're not a hundred percent sure at this point in time what happened. You, th- there's been some reports. There's been some different stories. Mary Magdalene, hey, he's alive and, and some other ladies and, and he's walking on the road to Emmaus and, and there's all kinds of things happening. But you, you know, when a tragedy happens in the news is just coming in. You know how hard that is to process? So imagine trying to process the death of Christ and then a few days later just trying to process he's not there. Peter and John going into the tomb, seeing it for themselves, but not really understanding, not not making all the connections. And now, John records that that evening... They had locked themselves in the room for fear of the Jews. Now remember, these are, these are disciples excluding Judas, who had already, who was, who was part of the group that were coming to arrest them. Every one of the other disciples had fled the night Jesus was arrested. They were fearful for their own lives. Now fast forward to the resurrection. He resurrects. They go down to the tomb. They're looking around. But the fear for their lives has not changed. They That evening after the resurrection. So Easter Sunday morning, we, we're not afraid. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out what clothes we're going to wear. This was quite a different Easter Sunday morning. It wasn't one that where they were like, hey, let's all gather together and sing a song. It says that evening they locked themselves in the room for fear of the Jews. The resurrection does a lot for us. But it's important for us to be able to contextualize and accurately tell what it does for us. Because sometimes we can misplace and misinterpret what the resurrection, what what Jesus resurrecting from the dead and what him saving us actually affords for our lives. And um, I'm glad you came on Easter Sunday morning. As this sermon goes, my points will get better. Okay? But we got to start off with the truth. The resurrection did not change their circumstances. Did you hear that? It's actually kind of crazy. Jesus raised from the dead. The power of God raised him up from the dead. Multiple days in the tomb from the dead. Raise him up. And yet the disciples' circumstance had not yet changed. You know what I hear a lot sometimes? Is that people will come to Christ and they'll go, well, that didn't help. That didn't help. My wife still doesn't like me. By the way, that might not have anything to do with Jesus. It might not have anything to do with Jesus. This sanctification thing takes a while, you know what I mean? Becoming like Jesus takes a while. You may still act like the devil, Jesus just saved you from hell. Do you know what I mean? Hang in there, honey. How many times do we think 
I've confessed my sin. Jesus raised from the dead. He's got the power to save me. He's got the power to redeem me. He's got the power to set me free. And yet I'm stuck in the same circumstance. Because the American gospel tells you that if you come to Jesus and do the right things, your circumstance will immediately change. I won't be sick anymore. I won't have a bad marriage. I I won't have financial trouble. My kids will start listening. Some of you have been with Jesus for a long time. Your sick kids still don't listen. They were in the same circumstances. Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the evening of his resurrection, the evening of the most, the thing that happened on the earth that changed everything. I don't think we can overemphasize or I don't, I don't think you can be hyperbolic about the resurrection of Christ. It literally changed everything. Except the disciples' circumstances. They were still targets. The disciples actually had a legitimate reason for locking the door. Being cautious with the Jewish leaders in light of what had just transpired seems absolutely reasonable to me. Absolutely reasonable. Because the Jewish leaders didn't believe he resurrected. And if they did, they were trying to cover it up. Matthew chapter 20, verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. These are, these are some of the guard that, that were there to handle Jesus' tomb and make sure nobody came and messed with it. Because there was word that he would resurrect in three days and the Jewish leaders were afraid the disciples would come steal the body to make sure it looked like he resurrected. They did not believe he had the power to resurrect. So now he's not there. Now they got to figure out a story. Now they got to come up with an alibi. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. John says, as of the writing of this book, that's still a story. In the context of the disciples being in a good relationship with the Jewish leaders, they were not. There was no part of the Jewish leaders that were going to say, oh, we were wrong the whole time, and Jesus was God, and he is God, and he's resurrected. It's our fault. There was no part of them that, were, that was going to do that. They were going to cover it up from the very beginning. And the disciples had every reason to be cautious. You and I would have been. We're cautious when somebody puts something negative about Jesus on social media. I can't be friends with them anymore. It's not dangerous. Nobody's chasing us down. We're free. We ridicule the disciples, although they didn't have a lot of faith. In comparison, their faith was off the chart. 
So the disciples were in the same boat. It didn't keep the disciples even from persecution. Do you realize by Acts chapter 4, which is, a, which is the account of the new church after Jesus' resurrection. By Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have already been arrested. And the only reason they were not punished, listen to me, the only reason they were not punished is not because the Jewish leaders were like, well, we believe you now. No, they were afraid of the whole crowd because they had healed a man who had been like he was since birth. And there was a great crowd around and now going, this must be from God. And so the Jewish leaders didn't have a choice. They arrested them. And the only reason they didn't physically punish them was because the leaders feared the crowd. Not because they believed in the resurrection. It didn't change their circumstances. It didn't keep them from persecution. And it also didn't remove any responsibility from them. Actually, the exact opposite was true. Even in light of their circumstances, the disciples were now responsible for sharing the gospel. Jesus has resurrected, and in, and in not too long after this, he'll, he'll ascend into heaven. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He's telling them on the first day. Of the resurrection. Here's your responsibility. I'm sending you. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And I'm sending you. So guess what? I'm going to be honest with you. Your circumstances ain't going to change. Jewish leaders aren't going to think anything different of you. There's some. There's some things that are going to be the same. But your responsibility hasn't changed. You're responsible. Now. If you think that sounds cruel, I told you it's going to get better as we go. If you think that sounds cruel, how could Jesus leave them like that? How could he leave them like in the same circumstance? When Jesus um, came into the room that evening, there's a couple things he said that are very, very important. Jesus comes into the room. And by the way, he didn't use the doorknob said the room was locked for fear of the Jews. So I don't have a glorified body yet. So every time I try to walk through a door, it still hurts. Anybody? Even if you're mad. Jesus' glorified body, could you imagine sitting around reclining at the table like they would have been doing and sitting around talking about like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if we should go out. I know Jesus is not in the tomb. We got to figure this out, but I don't know if we should go out. There he is. What is going on? How did you even get in here? Could you imagine somebody walks in your locked house? First thing he says, he doesn't say, gotcha. He says, what? Peace be with you. If you're like me, everybody in the room needs Jesus to walk in uninvited every now and then and say, peace be with you. Unannounced. Because maybe you're too prideful to ask for it. Maybe you're too scatterbrained. Maybe you got so much going on, you couldn't imagine stopping and inviting him into the room. Maybe you're fearful enough 
in this situation in your life that, that keeping the door locked all the time, staying out of relationships, staying away from people, not, not functioning properly as we should be. Maybe that brings you the comfort and the security that you need. And I'm thankful, thankful, thankful that we serve a God who knows how to walk in when you lock up. He knows how to walk in a door. I don't care. I got one of those door locks that you can type the code into. I could change the code every day. He can still get in. He walks in the locked door. And the first thing he says is, peace be with you. It's all right. He didn't say, you don't have anything to fear. It's all going to be fine. The Jewish leaders are going to leave you alone. You're going to have a great ministry. You're going to build the biggest church ever. It's going to be fine. Everybody's going to love you. He didn't say that. What he says was, in the middle of all this mess, you will have peace. In the middle of all this, you'll have peace. Paul would later on at the end of his life write to the Philippian church in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Come on, I like it when we say that together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How often should you rejoice? Look at your neighbor and say, start it now. Man, that's one of my problems. I like rejoicing when it feels like rejoicing. Anybody else? And when it's not, I want everybody else to shut up. I don't know if you've looked around lately, but there ain't nothing to rejoice about. That's the way I get sometimes. Anybody else? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Oh, man. Paul writing... Decades after Jesus' resurrection is painting the same picture. The door is locked. Circumstances haven't changed. And yet he's in the house. And Paul says, he's at hand. He's here. So in light of that, verse 6, Paul doesn't say, because he's here, all of your circumstances will now change. No, he says, Because he's at hand, because he's here, don't be anxious about anything. Can I just be honest with you? I wish he would have said something else. I wish he would have said, because he's here, everything will be easier. Everything will work out the way I want it. Everything will be to my benefit. Oh, I wish the Bible was written that way. But it's not. He says, in the midst of you living in a sinful world, I'll be enough. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer, but in everything, in every circumstance, all the time. Prayer and supplication. Bring your circumstances to God. (laughs) Bring them to him. Bring, bring your requests to God. And the what? Peace of God. 
peace of God, which surpasses how much of our understanding? How much? All of our understanding. So let's go back. Let's go back to the first night. They should have been scared of the Jewish leaders. That was a reasonable fear. It was reasonable. I don't know about you, but if you kill the man I'm following and I see it happen and then he comes out of the grave and I don't know how that happened, I'm locking it up. I'm locking it up. By the way, I'll lock it up after 2,000 years of having this scripture telling me that it's happening. And we all do the same thing, don't we? We all do the same thing. It was reasonable. And because it was reasonable, that's why Paul wrote, the peace is unreasonable. Because the fear is reasonable. Because what has happened to you should by all accounts elicit anxiety. Because what has happened to you should by all accounts elicit fear. Because what has happened to you, it'd be rational to be acting the way you act. Some of you, some of you are spoiled. But the beautiful thing about the resurrection is it gives us peace where all those things should be. Because when he walks in, when he's at hand, his first words are, it's going to be okay. Peace be with you. I'm not standing up here on Easter Sunday morning saying, because you came to Easter, because you got a good, because you dressed up, because you got the kids up. You should get a medal for that, but we'll talk about that later. Because you did your thing, you, you, you made it in the parking lot. You ain't made it out yet, but Jesus is going to give you peace before you leave. He should do something for him. He should, he should change something for me. And what I want to tell you this morning is that he might not want your circumstances to change yet. I know this is a hard one. He needed the disciples to stay in Jerusalem to proclaim the fact that he was Jesus. In some of the most difficult times in my life, God didn't pull me out of them. He gave me peace in the middle of them to proclaim him. Amen? Not just peace, but power. Not just peace, but power as well. Because he didn't just say, he didn't just say peace. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he, then he said, receive the Holy Spirit, which when you fast forward, a little bit to Acts chapter 2, you'll find out that the Holy Spirit then descended on the disciples in the upper room and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it was a promise. There's there's a little debate. Did they receive the Holy Spirit? Was it symbolic that night? Was it, was it a portion? I don't care what it was. Jesus was saying this. Your circumstance isn't going to change immediately, but you will have peace and you will have enough power. That's what he was saying. And when we get to Acts chapter 2, it all comes true. It all comes true in Acts chapter 2. And they receive the Holy Spirit, and now the disciples who were locking themselves in the room are standing up boldly preaching. So here's what I'm telling you. In the middle of your circumstance, the resurrected Christ can transform you, even if he doesn't transform your circumstance. 
Because Jesus didn't die to save your circumstance. He died to save you. He didn't die to change your circumstance. He died to change you. And so it baffles us sometimes. Lord, because we've been used to, well, if my circumstances change, then I'll change. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 we got that backwards. We got that backwards. I'll change you in spite of your circumstances. And then in the middle of those same circumstances, I'll give you enough power to tell everybody how it happened. The disciples are being arrested. They're being rebuked. They would end up being killed. And in the middle of all that, he transformed them into people nobody recognized. He would tell, he would tell them in verse 26, eight days later. So now we're, now we're a week later from his, from that night. His disciples were inside again. The circumstance hadn't changed. They were still scared, but Thomas was with them and all the doors, the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So he's saying it over and over and over again. You can have peace in the circumstance, peace in the circumstance, peace in the circumstance. Amen. The church has to be convinced that the resurrection is evidence that we are not consumed by our circumstances, but we're empowered to overcome them. I'm not a prisoner to what's going on around me. Amen? Don't chastise her. Encourage her. Peace to the process. Jesus is speaking peace to the process and giving us power to proclaim. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, let me let me stop here for a second. The band's going to come up and we're going to end with the last point here. Jesus was not telling the disciples, hey, I'm leaving now. Now you can forgive people of sin or you can condemn them. That sounds, if you just read that face value, that sounds like a whole lot of power, doesn't it? We don't believe that anybody has the power to forgive sins except God himself. Amen? What Jesus was telling them is you have the power to proclaim forgiveness over people. Now watch this. If you don't proclaim it over them, they won't hear it. He's saying, in the middle of your circumstance, I'm going to give you the peace that you need to operate and then the power to proclaim salvation to the world. Because in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he'll say, but right before he ascends into heaven, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always. So he's saying, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of persecution, regardless of everything's going right, regardless if you get paid enough at work, regardless if the work's going well, regardless if your boss likes you or doesn't like you, here's what you have the power to do. You have the power to proclaim salvation to everybody around you. And if you don't proclaim it, on Easter Sunday morning, I got to ask myself, who am I withholding it from? whose sins have not been forgiven because I have not accepted the responsibility to tell them. How will they know unless somebody tell? Well, they got YouTube. 
You really think everybody's Googling preachers on YouTube? He called you and he called me. And this may seem a little backwards, but we're getting with this. Thomas, eight days later, they're in the room. They're still afraid. Circumstances haven't changed. Jesus is coming in saying, peace be with you again. Now, if you go back, you remember Thomas came in later at, at that night after Jesus had left. And everybody said, Jesus was here. And he said, no, get me. I don't believe it until I see it. Eight days later, in the room, door still locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus comes through again. Oh, man, knock once in a while. Jesus comes in again. And um, Thomas is sitting there. And he says, Thomas, touch me. Touch my side. Now, Thomas makes a statement that I need everybody in the room to embrace. You have to understand for a Jewish man to make this statement to another human, because Jesus was fully God and fully human, for Thomas to make this statement to another human would have been blasphemy for a Jew. Jesus says, Thomas, you don't have to doubt anymore. Don't doubt, believe. Come on, don't continue doubting, believe, Thomas. Thomas says this statement, my Lord and my God. Not just one attribute of of deity, two, my Lord and my God. That would have been a blasphemous statement for a Jewish man to, to utter to another human. But Thomas finally had it settled in his heart. My Lord and my God. And then Thomas was, I'll serve you. I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. The most important things that could come out of your mouth is a confession today that Jesus is Lord. The most important thing that could come out of your mouth, not in a collective song, but for you, for you, for you. You're standing there maybe like Thomas. Man, God, my circumstances haven't been any different. Everything I do, it doesn't seem to change. I can't have any peace in my life. The pathway to all that is for you to look up and go, you are Lord of Lords. You're King of Kings. Not, not just because everybody said it, but I'm making you that today in my life. Because peace doesn't come until he enters the room. Because power doesn't come until he enters the room. And so I have to first confess. I have to first confess that he's Lord. I have to first confess that he's God. My Lord and my God. Paul would later write to the Romans in chapter 10, verse 9. Stand to your feet. Paul would say this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen? Thomas was saying, you are my Lord. I believe you. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Everyone 
So here's what I need to let you know this morning. In a world full of anxiety, full of depression, full of full of conflict, full of animosity, the church has to be the one that stands up and says, He is the Lord of all. He's my Lord. And He's given me enough peace to step into that circumstance and proclaim Him. To step into that circumstance and have confidence. To step into that circumstance and have peace in my life that nobody understands. And he can do that this morning. Come on all across the room. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands this morning in a sign of surrender. I beg you to proclaim as his Lord today. Proclaim him as your Lord. And peace will come into your life. Power will come into your life. He wants to save you. Celebrating the resurrection without accepting him as your Lord makes no sense whatsoever. So, Lord, we proclaim the same thing that Thomas did. You are our God. You are my Lord. So fill this room with your peace, Lord. Fill this room with your power, God. Lord, we're not even asking you to change anything outside of here. But today, Lord, between you and us, change us today, God. Change us in the middle of all this mess. And Lord, give us the power to proclaim your name as long as we live. We thank you for it, God. We give you an honor and praise because of it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, can you give him a big shout of praise this morning, church? Amen.